Hi, my name is Evelyn, and I'm a Spanish tutor and academic consultant at the CWLT at the University of Puget Sound. I'm a junior majoring in economics with minors in math and Spanish, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, my name is Janelle. I'm a writing advisor, and I'm also a senior studying English and economics, and I use she, her pronouns. We've decided to call our podcast The Nook because some of the best memories we've had at the CWT were conversations in our center's Nook. The Nook is a place where tutors and 2Ds get to know each other, have meaningful conversations, and generally have a good time. Welcome to The Nook. Today on this episode, we have Brian, who is the econ tutor at the CWT and also our friend and um, fellow um, Nook seating area companion. Um, that was a weird, that was a weird intro. Please save me, Evelyn. Brian, introduce yourself. Sure. Um, hi, my name is Brian. I am the economic subject tutor. Uh, I am a senior right now. I'm double majoring in philosophy and economics, and I am double minoring in SOAN and math. And I miss sitting in the nook. I miss all the weird conversations we would have in the nook and I have like so many fun memories of it so I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah us too well we have some like fun questions for you later on um we'll ask you some controversial questions but for right it. now I want to dive into that like whole double major double minor thing because that is crazy and that sounds like so much work so tell us what it's like juggling all that. Oh man um <laughs> I'm only like able to do it in the first place because I got very lucky and very blessed to have gone to a high school that supported like AP testing and all that and I came in with a lot of credits and I when I like came to Puget Sound I had almost like half of the econ major done just like from the get-go and so it felt like a very easy thing to pick. I was not actually going to be a philosophy major when I came here. I was part of the education program before I bailed on that. And then the SOAN minor and, well, the SOAN minor I picked up because it covers a lot of graduation requirements. Um, don't tell the department I said that, uh, but I really do love it. And then the math minor I also picked up because I think I only needed to take one more math class to get the minor. So everything managed to line up very nicely. I love having so much both like intradisciplinary and interdisciplinary approaches. Um, it really helps give a different perspective to every single thing that I learn. And it really makes learning a lot more fun, especially we can come at it from a multitude of different angles. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like, like talking about that interdisciplinary stuff that there's overlap between the departments too? Like, do you see commonalities in the classes that you take? Uh, definitely, I would say that especially with econ, so and in philosophy, I think I've read a lot of similar works, um, especially between so and philosophy. Like, I swear to God, if I pick up Marx one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. If I have to read Plato's Republic one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, and that's what the social sciences are in a nutshell. They try to explain the same things, but from different approaches. So it's cool that you're getting that with all your minors and majors. 
don't know, it makes it way more fun to engage with. I think I would lose my mind if I was just on one track, just because I really love, <laughs> I love talking about anything from a bunch of different angles. Okay, our next question is, what brought you to UPN? This is an awkward story. Um, so when I was a senior in high school, I was, how do you say, I was not having a straight up good time. Um, and for a really long time, I didn't think I would be going to college. But a good friend of mine, like pretty much, I think two or three days before the Common App was due in the spring or like the last um, day for submissions and applications, I was convinced to just apply to a whole bunch and just see what happened. And I kind of just, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I just, I Googled like a whole bunch of schools and just like, just applied and saw what happened. And I got accepted into a few of them. So I ended up printing out all the logos for each school and putting them on a dartboard. And uh, I started throwing darts <laughs> until I hit one. And believe it or not, it, take, it took a while because I'm really bad at darts. Um, but I threw darts until I hit one, and it happened to be University of Puget Sound. I saw that I had a scholarship from there, and I thought to myself, ooh, look at this, free money. Um, I picked UPS. Um, well, I know for a fact that I'm not unhappy with that decision. I love going here. I love the faculty. I've made so many amazing friends and so many fun memories. Uh, and so I'm really happy that my poor dart-throwing ability managed to get me here. That is the coolest story I've ever heard. Also, it sounds really stressful, but I'm glad that you threw the dart the right school. <laughs> what What would you have done like if you just missed the dartboard? Would you just have not gone? I just anywhere? threw more darts. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. When we when we ask people just like, why did you come to UPS? A lot of them say, oh, the campus was so pretty. I visited, or my sibling went here, or my parents went here or I wanted to get far away from home. I wanted to be in the Pacific Northwest, but yours was like almost completely random. The very first time I saw this campus was freshman year orientation when I came here. So I had no idea what I was signing up for apart from that I had signed up. So along the same lines of like, what brought you to UPS, why did you apply to the CWLT? This one is not as random, this one, this one I really wanted to do. Um, the CWLT, when I was a freshman and when I was a sophomore, I just saw it as that like, this is the highest paying job and like it's the, <laughs> I know, it's the, uh, it's just the place to be if you want like the best job on campus. And my sophomore year I submitted an application and I was, I was under the impression it's like, I really like tutoring. I really love helping people. That's one of the things that I feel consistently brings me happiness and joy in my life, just to be supportive, just to be there for someone and just to kind of guide and teach people. I, I have this big dream and aspiration to become a professor one day and tutoring and teaching just seems like a natural tie-in to what I hope to be doing in the future. And then I got the job and then I started realizing how much more there was to it and how much more of a community it is and how much 
I really appreciated all that. And at the beginning, I don't think I realized that, but I don't know. I've only been at the CWLT for a year and this is my second year, but I am so bummed that we could have meet in person and have another one of these years because it really was an amazing first year to work at CWLT. Do you think being a tutor has changed how you view academics or academia in general? Or how has being a tutor changed how you view anything, I suppose? Let's start with the first slide. I think being a tutor makes you realize what works and what doesn't work in terms of helping someone with their education. And the biggest takeaway for me is that every student is different. And every student has different needs and different communication styles and different ways that they progress in their education. And sometimes I look at academia and how teaching is done as a very like straightforward process. Uh, it seems very much like a teacher or a professor will have a lesson plan and it'll stick to that lesson plan and that's it. And there's very little negotiation between what that lesson plan is, what material the student is learning, and how students get to interact with their education. I, I think there's something just like really interesting about how tutoring is different from teaching. It feels very more personal, very hands-on, very, I mean, I guess this is the whole point of peer tutoring, but you're there as a peer, you're there as an equal, and you're there to help. While teaching feels a lot more like I know a bunch of information. Let me spread that information and have you pick it up and then I'm gonna give you a test or a paper and you figure it out. So maybe it made me a little bit more cynical, maybe a little bit more jaded about academia, but I've never really thought about it in that way and it's how it makes me look at academia differently. Do you um, know like what you want to teach exactly? Because you have like yeah. so many different academic interests. I really want to be a philosophy professor. That's just the coolest job to me. It's just the coolest thing to do. It just is the thing that when I wake up in the morning and my ADHD brain just goes like, boom, it's like, that's what I want to start thinking about, theorizing, putting things into pictures and shapes. We live in a kind of messed up time right now. And that is not an accident. That's a very purposeful path that we've walked as a country, as like a global, you know, um, and I mean, all three of us are economics people and we don't really need to justify or validate the fact that money rules the world and economics is the study of how those forces interact and move the world. And so I, I really want to be a philosophy professor. That's something that I really hold dearly in my heart. At the same time, I want to be someone who can change the world for the better instead of just talking about it. Um, and it makes me realize that the world can only become a better place if we each do our part. And as much as I would love to do something like philosophy, I worry that philosophy and academia in general is not the best way to go in terms of changing the world. So maybe I do something with economics um, and maybe I do something with I don't know. I want to do academia, but maybe I do something with policy. Maybe I do something with becoming an economic advisor to someone important and advising them to do better decisions than what are currently being done, et cetera, et cetera. 
it's kind of a difficult choice. Um, I have forgotten what the initial question was. <laughs> I kind of went on a ramble, but yeah, that, that's a whole mental process of what I'm looking at my future like. I think what you said really encompasses what a lot of people are feeling right now. Like, I think all, most of us have like two different sides, two different like kinds of aspirations where one side is the idealistic, like you want to be a philosophy professor and in an ideal world, that's something that you would do and like not feel any qualms about just talking about changing the world rather than doing something about it. But then there's that other side about you want to actually do something about it. And so there's, I can feel like there's that conflict and I have this too between what you want to do, but what might need to be done for the world. I know it's kind of rude that the boomers have set us up to not even be able to make a choice, you know, give up on what you might possibly want to do with your life and join a cause because the world is so messed up. The world's literally on fire. The world's figuratively on fire. The world is figuratively being poured gasoline on every second by certain people in power. Uh, we should also uh, let the record show that it's not um, election day yet. We're recording this prior to election day. So I feel like we're all feeling a little anxious and nervous and you know, wanting to know Moving on to light, more lighthearted things. What is your favorite spot in the CWLT? Ooh. Um, oh, the Nook is so good. Like, it's so good. It's just, the Nook is probably my favorite spot to be. It's just where everyone goes in terms of like tutors who don't have an appointment. You can just meet up with people, ask how their day is going. Sometimes students, um, we'll sit as they wait for an appointment and it's just super cool meeting different people across like different disciplines stuff like that also there's just like a beautiful amount of sunshine there it's like warm <laughs> there's no like I don't know all the chairs are super comfy there's that table that I always put my feet on and then feel bad about putting my feet on but <laughs> yeah probably the nook I think the second runner up though would have to be the couch at the very far back um, on like the left side of the room if you're walking right into the center. The yellow couch. Yes, the yellow couch. The yellow couch that has a secret that I know about. Wait, what's the oh, secret? Yeah, can you I don't think body? I can reveal that. Evelyn, you can't just drop a secret <laughs> and then not share it with yeah. us. So, the yellow couch is actually a Whoa! Wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I can't wait to go back to the CWLT in person and find out for a fact how that works. It's incredible. Yeah. No, the CWLT is like the coziest place on campus. Like cozier than dives, cozier than all. It's, yeah. Rachel did a great job in decorating that place. Yeah. Oh, Meg emailed me. They're watering the plants, Evelyn. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> so we have just a couple of like quick controversial questions. Okay. And I want you to, in 30 seconds, like answer this question and persuade me to 
believe what you think. Okay. So. I'm all for it. Does a person sitting on an airplane middle seat get both armrests? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the person who gets the window seat gets the window so they have something to look at. The person who gets the aisle seat can shove their legs out into the aisle if they're too tall, because that's what I do, because flying economy sucks for people who are tall. And the person in the middle seat gets cramped between two random sweaty people who are also flying economy. So they definitely should get the middle seat. And if anything, they should also just like not have to talk to anyone for the rest of the flight. And I feel like the person in the middle seat has suffered enough by just getting the middle seat. So they get both armrests. Definitely. 100%. Okay. I, I, oh, wait. I can agree with that. Can I ask a follow-up question? Of course. Do you think airplanes should also supply a footrest for, you know, like each of the three seats? Because I feel, I feel very strongly that there should be like a, a specific place where like you have to keep your feet within this zone. I feel like, uh, while I want to say yes, I want to say that the priority should go to making sure that the seats are big enough for tall people. <laughs> Because I'm literally like sitting in economy, like my knees are like pushed up against the back of the seat. And like the footrest that is there can't even fit my feet because it's just too awkward of an angle. So yes, in a perfect world, Janelle. <laughs> in our hypothetical thought experiment airplane world. <laughs> okay. Should we go, go on to the next one? Yeah. Next question. Define salad. <laughs> A salad is anything with too many vegetables. And I think that's about it. And the more you put in stuff that's not vegetables, whether that's like croutons or like hard boiled eggs or whatever, salad dressing, the less salad it becomes. Ooh, but I feel like that's too narrow. Like what about a fruit salad or a pasta salad? Taco salad. <laughs> yeah. Those are misnomers. Those are definitely not salads. <gasps> They, oh. Okay, you want to know- <laughs> Controversial opinions. <laughs> you want to know something else that has too many vegetables? And I what? don't think you would call it a salad, is stew. There's root veggies, there's regular veggies. I think all veggies are root veggies, but you wouldn't call a stew a salad. All right, all right, all right. Let me, let me think about this more. Um, a salad is anything with chopped vegetables yeah that's really it i think that's <laughs> i don't think we need to go more what a fruit salad is not a real salad that's just a bowl full of fruit like <laughs> a fruit salad is for people who want to eat a salad but they know that they don't have a salad so they call it a fruit salad <laughs> i wait do fruit salads have veggies in them no, no? okay then it's not a salad <laughs> But what makes the salad? Is it just the vegetables? I, I literally think it is just constituted by a bunch of chopped veggies thrown into a bowl. I have not a lot of serious opinions about salads, apart from most of them are bad. And Caesar salad tastes like nothing. <laughs> I agree with that. I don't like Caesar salad. Yeah. Worst salad by far, I think. Yeah, for sure. That's embarrassing because... I like Caesar salad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've talked about this next question before, but we'll ask it again just so we can get you on the record. Um, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, 
100,000%. Yes. 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 A sandwich is anything with bread encompassing some filling inside. Yes. So in like, that case, a cake could be considered a sandwich. Absolutely. Okay, that's I'm, too far. I am all for universal sandwich acceptance. Um, <laughs> um, I am for anything, like a calzone, definitely a sandwich. Hot dog, yeah. definitely a sandwich. Pop-tart, definitely a sandwich. Anything that has any sort of glutinous, bread-like substance encompassing some filling, definitely okay. a sandwich. So here's a scenario. You have a piece of pizza and you fold it in half. Is it now a sandwich? Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think you, so. Sandwich is an umbrella category. Anything can be a sandwich. Sandwich is broad. Okay. <laughs> just, just shaking her head no. Just. <laughs> so if I literally like took two pieces of bread and like slapped my phone in between it, is that a sandwich? <laughs> yeah. A sandwich. Have you not seen that Gordon Ramsay meme where they like, Gordon Ramsay gets two pieces of bread, puts it around this woman's head and it's just like, what are you? And she's like, I'm an idiot sandwich or whatever. Totally a sandwich. <laughs> okay, moving on. Is cereal soup? Cereal is not soup, it's chunky juice. <laughs> I agree with this one, actually. Yeah. I, agree I don't with this agree. One. Cereal is soup. But, like, you don't use milk for soup. You put like, milk based products, you put cream. Yeah. You could thicken it up with milk. That is true, but you aren't doing anything to the milk apart from pouring it in a bowl and well, then putting shit in it. It's kind of like boba, but like bowl form. I don't know about you, but like when you put Lucky Charms in your milk and then it tastes like sugar milk, that's doing something to the milk. So I think that's soup. I see where you're coming from, Evelyn, but I think I might have to hard pass on this one. Milk is definitely weird animal juice and cereal would just be juice with chunks. <laughs> okay, well, John Green, if you guys know who he is. Oh no. <laughs> he eats cereal with water. That's disgusting. So, John Green is also a sociopath that writes books for preteens and then also does really good crash courses on YouTube for some reason. I think that's really weird that he's a grown man that writes like teen, tween, yeah. Like romantic novels. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree. <laughs> I still don't think cereal is soup. Like I to me, soup has to be some sort of like savory soup. Even if you like have a, a soup on the, the sweeter side, like it still has to be mostly savory. And I would not want to eat savory cereal. And all these questions make me more and more willing to believe that food is just not real. It's just arbitrarily thrown together and we just give it names. <laughs> Did you guys see that scientists predicted like that there's a 50-50 chance that we're actually living in a simulation? I believe it. Oh yeah, I had to read an article for a class that said we're 100% living in a simulation if simulations are possible. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Only if. Well, I hope it's almost over. <laughs> Honest, yo, honestly, whoever made the simulation did a horrible job. <laughs> They have yeah. to start again. Pretty much, just purge and get, do it right. Well, that brings us to our final question for the day, which is just teach us something. Um, and hopefully, I, Evelyn looks like she forgot to tell you to 
teach us something. I definitely told him. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so this is the part where you have your own platform to just talk about something or you can show us a talent, but no one will see it. So we'll have to like verbally describe it to the audience. So Evelyn did preface me with this one. Um, and I was just like listing off a bunch of things and I told Evelyn one and she was so surprised because this is something that Evelyn has also done and no one else in far as my experience has ever done this before. Um, except for Evelyn and I. So a lot of people are like double jointed in their hands. Surprisingly, you can be double jointed not only in your hands, but in your like in your fingers, but in your toes. And one of the ways that you can tell if you're double jointed is if you kind of tense up your toes and then you apply a little like if you lean forward, apply a little bit of weight, your toes will pop and slap against the ground and it'll like give a weird little thump noise um <clears throat> this is like, so weird is, to describe. is it basically just like how you would crack your knuckles but you crack your toes kind of it's um, different it's kind of like I a snap don't where... know what to say i feel like i wasn't prepared for this someone <laughs> told me this is going to happen and i i feel like you both have to do it at the same time and now i i feel like it's my job to like describe what's happening I don't even know, like, Evelyn, how would you describe this? Like, so, okay. It's so natural feeling for me. That... Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, you put your feet flat on the ground. And then you take, for me, it's like my, my second toe. But it's like my other toes. But I can hear it loudest with my first toe, or my second toe. And you just, like, dig them into the ground. <laughs> yeah, like, two and three, I think, are the ones that pop the best. But... You put your feet completely flat on the ground, then you lift up your heels a little bit, and then you arch your toes. And then when you press in, if you're double jointed, it'll basically like collapse down uh, if you apply a little bit of weight. And if you apply a little bit of weight and it collapses down, it'll do a, like a really satisfying like smack onto the ground. It's kind of like snapping where the snap sound, it comes from like your skin hitting the inside of your flesh. Except in this case, you're hitting the, the floor. I'd like to add for our listening audience that both Evelyn and Brian have been looking down while they've been describing this. So they're very um, dedicated <laughs> to this teach us something segment. Can yes. you make the noise though? Yes, 100%. So bring, bring your computer or whatever close to your foot. Oh, okay. Give me a second. I hope the viewers at home or the listeners at home are having a great time waiting in patience. Wait, this is so difficult to do with this one. Can you guys hear that pop? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the weird thing that I've known how to do since I was like, five and just assumed I was a weirdo and no one else has ever done it. <laughs> yeah, thank you for um, showing us your uh, talent, I guess. I feel like it, it's a talent. This has been the Teach Us Something segment. Thank you again, Brian. Of course. <laughs> this has been an hour-long conversation. Yes, I apologize. I bet you guys have stuff to do. <laughs> 
Um, it was great chatting with you, Brian. Of course. It's good seeing both of you. I like yeah. miss having our weird nook conversations in person. Me too. It was nice to catch up. Hopefully we'll get to see each other in the spring too. Yes, I yes. hope so. Well, thanks again, Brian. It was good to see you. Of course. Thank you all for this wonderful podcast. It's good to see y'all too. Bye. Bye. Bye.